Hey everyone, I am here at PAX, joined by Cole Worley, creative director at Leader Games and co-owner of Worley Gig Games. What, how, how's the con going so far, day one? Day one, the very, the very, uh, we're in the earliest moment, my voice isn't destroyed yet. Uh, con's going great, I taught ARCs to the First Look crew, which is wonderful, uh, and I've just been kind of perusing, seeing everybody get excited, I love I love the feeling of the very opening of the first day because it's like uh, it's like we're getting ready to like open a play. So yeah. everyone's building the sets and we're getting all the all, all the all the crews ready. The energy's high, uh, and as we walked up here to this little atrium, I mean there were tons of people in line waiting to get in. So I'm hoping that attendance is really high, maybe like almost pre-pandemic, hopefully. Is this your first PAX Unplugged in which you've been repping both Whirly Gig and Leader? No, uh, ooh, not quite. No, because we did, we had, like, I think we had early copies of Pamir at the last Unplug I did, okay. which was right before the pandemic. Is your brother here, too? Was this he, a joint venture? No, he's not. I would have pulled him into this interview. No, he, he's not here. Uh, <laughs> okay. He's okay. safe at home. You're, you're allowing him to keep the business going yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you're at a convention like this, you know, being the creative director at Leader, are you taking pitches or are people coming up to you? Or are you scheduling appointments with other publishers? So like, what's your main objective at a con? Well, it, it's strange because we don't really know. Like when I start, like I, I've been trying to keep my schedule increasingly open. And then what happened is in the weeks before people will like ask to sit down and talk about something. I'm always happy, basically take any meeting. Um, but the barrier is they have to reach out. So this is, I mean, we talk about this a lot at Leader. Like I'm happy to look at pitches, but I don't want to tell you how to send a pitch in because I want you to figure it out. Like it has to be good enough and you have to be as interested in working with us um, that would take them to like t take a little bit of initiative on their own. So rather than just having like a big box that people are just gonna send random pitches to, you know, people write to our support address, support at leadergames.com. And if it's a pitch, it'll find its way to my inbox. And every once in a while, there's a game that works. You know, an example of that would be Ahoy. Uh, so Greg showed it to me at the last Unplugged I was at. So as Hyperspace Smuggler, right? Yeah, at, as Hyperspace Smuggler. And uh, he reached out and said, like, look, I know you guys don't normally take pitches, but this might be a good fit. And I said, you know, you know what, Greg, I don't really know who you are, but let's sit down and play it. And I, and I played it and thought, okay, let's, like, let me get Nick in this game. Let me get, and actually Drew played in the, the, one of the early, uh, the early drafts of Hyperspace Smuggler. I felt like, okay, this actually could be a good fit. So I'd, I like to approach cons as, uh, I just like them as like kind of organic summits. Like I wanna, it's all, it's to me all about the conversation of opportunity, the happenstance run in, and the kind of late night chat that turns into an interesting project. You mentioned ARCs, and I wanna get back to ARCs definitely, but while we're on the topic of hyperspace smuggler evolving into mm -hmm. Ahoy, that's a game I've talked to Greg about the, the development cycle and how it's evolved in that early nascent stage, which was still a, a considerable evolution from the beginning eras of hyperspace smuggler. Um, what did you see in the game that really felt like the gem that you wanted to work with? So a lot of times when people pitch us games, they will just look for asymmetry so they're just interested in putting a bunch of like cute little gears next to each other and the, the leader game shtick yeah the, yeah this is and, and you know they, they play vast they played root but they're always like taking the wrong lessons from those games and when i play them i'm always asking the question of like is the asymmetry is it advancing the storytelling of the game or is it just giving players something to think about is it just like a cognitive tax 
And what I loved about Iversary Smuggler is the the interaction was so clean, even in the earliest version, where I thought like, okay, the like who the different factions are is very cleanly sketched. And then the lines of interaction, I mean, the mechanism where the smugglers are increasing the value of the regions, that was there at the very, very first draft of the game. And I thought, okay, not only is this a good mechanism, it is showing me that the designer is paying attention to the right things. And the more we worked on the game, the more we kind of found, found to like about it. Although, you know, one thing that, that we've learned about working with external designers is we're kind of a cautious lot. We really don't. Uh, we really want to be careful with, with who we partner up with. And so, you know, when, when I was talking to Greg early on, I said, all right, Greg, we're interested in your game, but like, let's just, I don't want to sign you under a contract. Let's just make this the beginning of a conversation. And that was the beginning of 2019. Mm-hmm. Or I guess, yeah, or, or around, no, it was at, towards the end of 2019. But we, we worked on that game internally for a year. Seemed like it might work. Then we put it on our actual production schedule worked on it for another year and then you know over and then there was about six months of really intensive work that led to ahoy which is releasing at this show this is the the the, the release show essentially for the game i love this story not only is there the continuity from 2019 to now with it being at the show and it was great seeing it at the booth earlier but i remember 2019 pax unplugged and I remember, like, you were proselytizing about uh, Oath there. Yeah. You had that early copy of Oath, and I saw people gathering around you, and you're like, this is not a game for being nice to other people. Like, uh, sure. it, it, it was epic, uh, the, the crowd that was, uh, uh, I guess, gathering around this cult of personality that was starting to form, uh, if you'll allow the term sure. for yourself. Um, I mean, you're you're Cole Worley at this point. People know y- your name and then see it on a box and go, that's a game I want to check out. But, you know, like the, the fact that amidst all of this intense focus on Oath behind the scenes, you're taking pitches and you're evolving, developing and growing the library. So now we're talking about games that are coming out in the future. You have ARCs. So that's already been kickstarted. Yep. Where are we at on the the development and manufacturing and ultimate release yeah so arcs arcs is an interesting game because in in some respects it is a companion to root like there's a line of continuity between what root is and what arcs is and oath is oath is a funny game because oath is in some respects um a lot more like a pack style game than it is like a root style game and so when i was working on arcs i said like look i i've been playing these 90 minute three or four player strategy games for a few years now. I'm like really sitting into the industry and thinking about like, how do they work? Like Kema and Innis and these, I mean, they used to get called Dudes on a Map, which is not a very good title. Really, it's not a great title. No, it, it, it's not a good look like for detractors or supporters of it, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, Root was one way of attacking that space and Arcs is like another way of attacking it. And so when I was working on it, I thought, I'm let these signs pass. Uh, when I was when I was start- That's just some city flavor, just some city flavor. Uh, when I was working on on Oath, I kept thinking like, oh, there's all this like there are all these things about Root that I really want to address, adjust that can't be solved within Root because Root is what it is and Oath is what it is. And I want this like other way of getting in. So I started working on ARCs pretty early. I mean, ARCs basically Oath was finished for about a month. We'd sent it to the factory and I was starting to work on ARCs. This is like uh, like 2020, I believe, 2020, like the, 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 the winter of that year, maybe. And um, 
oh they've been finished we start i started working a little bit on arcs and then we like took a break and i helped everyone do the marauder expansion and then as soon as that was done i went back to working on arcs uh and then we got a kickstart and it is in great shape so people at pax can go to the first look and play a version of the of the base core game that is essentially done. I mean, it needs, there's, there's a lot of art to be done. There's some finer points of development, but the design is like 95% totally done. And then a lot of my time right now is being spent on the episodic campaign format, which has been really fun to work on, but it's very difficult. Has it proven challenging to kind of pivot from the original design and intent of the game where it was going to be the campaign format from the get-go mm -hmm. and now breaking it out for retail reasons for approachability reasons yeah well there, there's a few, there's some interesting things that have happened to the actual product so one of them was you know as we're testing the game we were always playing it as a single shot and well uh and that was important because one of the core conceits of the arcs and this is the same one in oath is every session has to be good mm -hmm. I, I don't want someone to play like oh i don't want anyone to tell me what they tell me in television where they're like that first season's slow when you get to the second season it really picks up you I don't that. you don't want the best version of the game to be the final episode of a campaign or yeah, something like exactly. that exactly no, like it needs to hit right away so as we were testing it even though in concept the campaign existed first in practice the single session existed completely first and then what was what was happening is we were finding that that game was robust enough that it was just like a game by itself and we started worrying like if we bundle everything together we're talking about a, probably 152 like a kind of almost a gloomhaven size project maybe not quite that large but expensive heavy big and we thought well for someone who just wants to like put the game in a backpack and like go to like a, a cabin with some friends and play a game or, or if, they're, if they're you know biking to the game group here in philly um and they want to play arcs like they can play a stripped down version of arcs why don't we make that accessible i mean one of the things that i think about a lot is like box size and there's this test where i'm like can i hold the box in one hand and that to me is a really important test because like oath you can but you have to like kind of saddle it under your arm it's a it's a big boy it's a big boy and and that's that's kind of it's okay for what oath is but one of the, one of the reasons i've been like resistant to the idea of like doing a big uh a big box for all the root content which is something we might do at some point is i like the fact that like roots kind of small especially for a game of its weight it's like no you just like you can stick it in a little side a little a messenger bag or something and you're, you're fine so with arcs it was kind of natural to break it into into these two sections and then what what happened is as we started developing we said like look if we're going to break this into two products they each need to really be able to stand up on their own legs and that meant fleshing out that core game so it didn't feel like a demo mode I don't want anyone who plays arcs to feel like oh that was like a tech demo for the campaign it's got to be robust and so we, we built out um, we we really uh, built out a ton of content and some really interesting core mechanisms that have made made the core game really really ro robust uh, and then we, we're, we've also gone and fit the games so and we're in a really fun stage of the project right now which is I can kind of see all the pieces and we're just like arranging them and the, what we're doing with arcs is we're do, spending a lot of time thinking about the narrative footing of the game. And so the, the way it's going to work, um, this isn't really a spoiler, but the, the core box is essentially the prequel to the campaign game. And so when you play the core box, any in state in the core box is a viable start state kind of oath style for the campaign game. And then the campaign game recasts things so in the in the base game you're playing kind of like space feudal lords it's very um game of thronesy and then at the end it's like well one but one person won and then that person's kingdom 
uh, forms the kind of like central galactic the foundation yeah, of yeah, the the current yeah, political the state and then in the campaign game you all start as like the imperial brats growing up in that society so you start on the same team and <laughs> players may become separatists and break out there might be a civil war and that that story is like told in the three game campaign um and so it, it allows players it's it uh unlike a lot of other campaign games the, the main thing that we're trying to do is advance the sort of like procedurally generated emergent storytelling that we did in Oath and like push that forward. One thing that you said a couple times was the word uh, approachability. Um, yeah. And maybe I said it a couple times as well. That's a, I'll say uh, a word as much as you want. that <laughs> throws uh, that, that gets thrown around a ton in this uh, hobby. It's yeah. uh, something that's almost fetishized uh, yeah. in this hobby at this point. As someone who makes a lot of games that are more complex or have um, maybe uh, really unique and occasionally uh, esoteric rules. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the term approachability when someone's like, oh, is, is this game approachable? Yeah. Well, I always, I have to be really careful here because I want, I think that there is an ethos in, in design. I see this a lot of pro spiels that I go to when I talk to younger designers where they want um, the, the, the experience of learning a game to be so smooth that players very naturally find themselves playing and everybody has a good time and oh look at the final scores we're all like five points away from each other what a good game and i think that can lead to some really bad design mm -hmm. because what you're doing is you're optimizing the game experience for first-time players and so we generally have a development path that says actually you should be optimizing the game only for the players who play a ton <laughs> and then at the end yeah. at the end you want to do what you can to help people on board and you know, your first game of chess isn't gonna be great. It's probably gonna be a bad experience, right? But there needs to be something in the game that is compelling and intriguing enough to like bring you back to the table. And we're really interested, I mean, uh, that is the essential gambit we make with our players. And I, I tell us to people when I'm at shows, if you like to play the same game more than once, our stuff is great. And if you don't like to do that, any other game here is gonna be a better fit. And by doing that, I basically, I try to just separate the audience out where I'm like, look, if you're just, if you like playing a new game every week, like that's just not what we're interested in doing. And the bargain I'm making with you is this game is going to be worth really exploring. And so instead of thinking about approachability, I really like to think about like usability and does the, is the game hostile to, to experienced players or is it friendly to them? As, as you play more, are you going to, um, have more interesting games or, or, or less interesting games. You know, I think one interesting example of that, and this is a real like wild card uh, <laughs> reference, but um, I've been playing a lot. Like my game of the year is definitely Blood on the Clock Tower. I've played like a ton of it. And one of the things I think is so remarkable about that game is it is a lot. It is the most extra board game. In, like, it, there's Maven, a lot going on there. Yeah, in the Gloomhaven scale where you open the box and you're like, my goodness, so there's so much stuff in here. And what I love about it is um, when I first saw the Kickstarter, I was so worried because I thought, okay, here's a newer team making an extremely ambitious game. I hope they don't like send off something undercooked. And when we started playing Blood on the Clock Tower, we were like, oh, it's obvious. They played this a ton and they played, they like were constantly onboarding new people. And they, so all of the like entry ramps, you know, I think that, you know, one way to think about it is if you're building like a hill, right? You've got, and you want to make your hill more accessible, there are two things you can do. You can level the hill, or you can build a nicer ramp. 
And I'm on the team of like build a nicer ramp. Like you still want people to get up to those high heights and, and you do need to like have a nice ramp, but don't go flattening the hill. The hill is the thing that was making it interesting. Absolutely. Right? And so like what I love about the production of Blood on the Clock Tower is I can see them paying attention to the right things. And you just know that like this was a game that they played about and thought about a lot over the entire course of development. And so as we're working on arcs, we've just been like very carefully, you know, adjusting the, the UI or like fine tuning a mechanism because we not because it makes the game any easier or harder to play, but, but because we want to make the core system as robust as it possibly can be. So elegance is about facilitating the high heights of the game, not just shaving off all the bits that give it character. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So you are here working as a game designer mm -hmm. as the head of game uh, uh, game development, uh, or I guess not head of game development. That would be Nick Brockman, right? Yeah, it, it's a funny thing. It's like the way we, we structure the company at Leader is we have, um, essentially we have like a creative and operations wing, mm -hmm. and I kind of manage creative. And so that includes like overseeing the development, but we try to empower the project leads. And so like Nick is a senior developer right now, and he'll be a project lead. And when he is a project lead, um, he has he has the microphone. He has the show, and I I trust him to make the right call on basically all the all of the smaller things. And when he runs into trouble, I'm happy to come in and help. But generally, I want anybody who's in charge of their own project to feel empowered to, you know, make the big cuts and make the delays. Because one of the things that can happen in in any kind of project based work is, you uh, people start to get most concerned with just finishing. And the general mentality that we have at Leader is you only get one shot to really do it right. I mean, I, I try to think about every game is the fact that a game exists at all is like a, a small miracle. There's just <laughs> yeah. so many things that have to line up. So I go into every game assuming it like this might be just the last one for whatever, for any number of like cosmic reasons, this might be the last one. And so I'm going to really try to make it as, as, as good as it can be. And so I always tell project leads that we're working with, uh, if you need more time, you pull the little chain that says I need more time. And if you want to trash a bunch of the systems, you do that. And in fact, it's especially important for the project lead to do that because no one else on the team is going to do it. Totally. Everyone wants to get done. So Nick uh, has done great work. He's a fabulous developer. He, uh, he's worked on a lot of the root expansions and, um, and of course, four. And then Ahoy is, Ahoy is the first like big product he's done by himself. Yeah. All right, we're fine. All right, cool. Sorry. No, no, yeah. So uh, Ahoy is, uh, Ahoy is the, the, the first project where I, I kind of told Nick, like, you know, you've, you've led and been the, the key person on some of the smaller projects. Why don't you try working with a new designer? You know, he had a lot of latitude. And Greg was like a delight to work with. Because basically what we'd do is we'd say, Greg, these are the three areas where we're worried about. We're going to work on it for a few months. We'll let you know. And then we would kind of present our findings. And generally Greg said, like, this all looks good. Keep, you know, I trust you. Keep at it. And so it was, it felt, it was a really nice conversation, but there was just a lot of trust on all sides. Okay, so you're here as a game designer, you're here as the creative game director, you're here as a publisher. Can you still go to a, a con as a gamer, as a fan? Like, are there games here that you're excited to check out that aren't potential games that you're going to be developing and publishing and get involved with? Yeah, I mean, it, it, this is a funny show for that because there are shows I go to where I feel like I just get to play. And so one of those, like I just got back from um, Historicon in San Diego, which was a fabulous, and I got to play a lot of games. And Did you play Undaunted Stalingrad? 
No, I want to so, so bad. I want oh, to man. Edison. I cannot wait to play it. I'm sure it's incredible. Like, it looks so good. I've talked a lot with, with, with David about it, and I just... Um, it, it It's so exciting to me because I love campaign-driven games that have, like, a real sense of story and stakes. And, I mean, that was something that, that we worked on with Oath that I'm, like, working on now with Arcs. And to see another game in that zone just makes me really excited. Um, and, you know, I always tell people that my, my favorite World War II game is Triumph and Tragedy. And Undaunted Stalingrad, you know, I'm, I, I'm as excited for it as pretty much anything that, that, is, that is coming out. I'm sad it's not here. Um, yeah, so I... Um, so I, I went to Historicon, great show. I got to play a lot of exciting things. Uh, I like Board Game Geek um, is a great con for, for playing. And what I like about those cons is that they're very good at having the weirder stuff. With Unplugged is strange because a lot of things they're showing, I saw at Essen. Um, but there are, you know, th where I'm gonna be spending my time is in the little alleys on the far side of the hall. The small booths, the publishers who are just starting out, because that's where there's a lot of interesting ideas. So I tell people who are coming to Unplugged for the first time, Go hang out in the small part of the, of the hall and then also go to First Look because there are tons of people teaching all kinds of games. Um, there's a new Zot game that involves this like funny little top that like shoots pizzas out around the map. <laughs> Hilarious. Definitely w w w w worth your time. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to like give Heat a, heat a play. Um, I think that's it. I mean, there's, I, I don't know. So far, I haven't yet found out. You have to ask me that question on Sunday when I've discovered something intriguing. So... Cole, we, we've talked about all of the, the exciting developments going on with ARCs. We have the story of Ahoy and its background. Is there anything else on the horizon that, that Leader Games is kind of brewing? I know you have some stuff with Void Lich online. Yep. Um, you got any expansions or any other designs that uh, you're working on right now that you can share? So we've, we've been working a little bit on the Oath expansion. And the Oath expansion has been interesting because basically... There's a lot of ways to expand it. And we've been kind of thinking about it. I, I, I hate expansions with modules. Like I'd rather say like, this is an Oath expansion. You can turn it on and then it all, it all kind of lights up on the same circuit. And so we're trying to decide precisely what constitutes that circuit right now. I'm hoping that we have some things to share about that in the early part of next year. And then Patrick has been working on an open world game called Path that's really exciting. It's a... Uh, big open world game that plays in under two hours set in the root world it is uh very different from other open world games we sat down and played a few of, of the major open world games like outer rim and i was just sort of refreshed at how different path was because a lot of those open world games are relying on event decks story cards that kind of stuff and path is so emergent it's so hydraulic in its systems and i think it's really interesting like it's genuinely a very sharp game well, Cole, I'm excited to check it out. I mean, you know that I love Root and pretty much everything that Leader has come out with to date. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. This has been exciting. It's great seeing you again. And I'm looking forward to checking out, uh, uh, I guess, the rest of the con with you. Yeah, it sounds great. Thank you so much, Jack, for sitting down.